You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. Welcome to the Mormon Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Morris. Today we have joining us Christian Vuisa. Hi, Christian. Hey, Catherine. Christian has written, directed, and produced several feature films, including Silent Night, The Letter Writer, One Good Man, The Errand of Angels, and Baptist at Our Barbecue. And he's also the founder and director of the LDS Film Festival, which just enjoyed, was it its 14th year? Yeah. It's in its 14th. Yeah, 14th year. It started 2001, right? Yeah. So today we're going to do a little retrospective of the festival. Um, I saw a couple of the films and some of the the presentations, and Christian was, you were doing what you do at the festival, um, which is overseeing, which is what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm uh, just hanging out there. <laughs> That's that's always the impression I get. You kind of oversee the events, you know, you're sort of the consultant. You kind of stand in the lobby with your benign smile and sort of right. bless okay. the <laughs> bless the events that are occurring at the the festival. Yeah. I mean, they don't call you the stepfather of Mormon cinema for nothing, right? I am not the stepfather of Mormon cinema. <laughs> Who did I marry? <laughs> Who did you marry? You married Mormon cinema. Uh, anyway, yeah. so um, so this was a good year. There were some good films. Yeah, it's not bad. We had a couple of strong um, opening, closing night films, you know. I think we did the closing night film for the first time officially. And so we had um, Garrett Batty's film Freetown as opening night film. That's his follow-up to Saratov Approach. And we had uh, T.C. Christensen's film The Coquel Miracle follow-up to his two I guess pioneer films, 17 Miracles and Ephraim's Rescue. So both films are highly anticipated, I guess, and they're opening in theaters um, three times opening in just uh, three weeks or so, and Coco Miracle in June. So we're happy to have those two films bookend the festival. Mm-hmm. And we had a number of other good films. We had, again, some international entries like uh, from Italy and Mexico. and Yeah, Marco Louis had a film this year. Yeah, for the fourth time, and Jorge Ramirez, his second film. Yeah. Anyways, we had some films from North Carolina and Texas and uh, Illinois, I think. And we had a film that was kind of a U.S.-Japanese production. They're international this year. Which one was that one? It was Dave Boyle's um, Man from Reno 
which is a film that was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. Oh, okay. It won the Los Angeles Film Festival. Um, we had a couple of films from Dave uh, in the past in the program. Um, one was called White on Rice. I remember that one. That was a really good one. That was one yeah, of my favorites. And then, yeah. And then he had another one. What was that other one called? Uh, Big Dreams. Big Dreams Little Tokyo, I think. Mm-hmm. And so this new film was more like a film noir, a little darker, but uh, very well made and we were happy to show it. And mm-hmm. he was served a mission in Japan and now he's just making these films with um, Asian main characters, you know, characters that are often set in the U.S., but just kind of has this uh, connection to that community. So, um, well, let's talk about some of the the feature films. So there was Freetown opening night, Cokeville Miracle closing night, um, and I I was at I saw those are the two feature films that I saw. Actually, confession, those were pretty much the only films that I saw. I was focused more on the presentations this year. Um, but Cokeville Miracle, well, Freetown was was very well attended, and Cokeville Miracle. Didn't you guys <laughs> slightly oversell that one? No, but we, you know, we don't know how many passes we have handed out. Oh, the because of the VIP passes and the yeah, so you're concerned there might not passes. be enough seats. Yeah, yeah and it was yeah. it was a very full theater, so that was really yeah, that's attended that's really well. One of the biggest ones in the state, I would say, it seats like 730 plus people. Yeah, it's huge. And. Uh, yeah, we could have probably sold out another screening. So there were a lot of requests on the last day that we just couldn't fulfill. But that's good, and the pe- people really liked it. It won actually the Audience Choice Award that we kind of publicly announced this year for the first time. Uh-huh. So uh, we're excited for those films. We also had a test screening of um, in the program. It's called Untitled Girls Camp Movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it has now a title. I think we showed the trailer in the opening preview. It's called, uh, I think, Once I Was a Beehive. Mm-hmm. So that's a film uh, by McLean Nelson. And so he's also a returning filmmaker. He was the mis- one of the missionaries in the Saratov Approach. He's also producing and acting and directing. So we did a test screening. So the film's not finished, but it should come out in August. And the response was, I think, really positive. So people really enjoyed it. They laughed and they cried. And we also had a presentation by uh, Christopher Clark and Patrick Parker. They come out with a film this October that's also uh, anticipated. That's a film called Just Let Go, based on the book Let It Go, by Chris Williams, um, who forgave, I guess, the drunk driver that killed his wife, pregnant wife, and two children. So it's, uh, mm. um, I think it's a well-selling book. It does a book, and they, they made a film out of it that's coming out in October. So we have a, so those are four films that are coming out theatrically here in our community. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they, they will do, but it's, I can't remember a year when we had like that kind of dense of a release schedule of films that are, that should and could do well. 
Yeah, this was this was a really uh, productive year, and then of course there was a presentation by the Meet the Mormons folks. Yeah, we showed also we showed Meet the Mormons, even mm-hmm. though it already was in theaters. Um, we also had Jerusha Hess uh, there Austin do a presentation. Yeah. We showed her film Austin Land. We had uh, we had Orson Scott Card there to do a presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, yeah, we had a really nice program. Shows a lot of growth in our community, um, and it's exciting to look forward and see what's going to happen in the next seven years. Yeah. So I guess my question would be, um, I mean, you've, you've started to answer this, but how how is this year different from previous years, and and what is the state of Mormon cinema? You should say something insightful about that, that I can uh, quote to people. <laughs> I wanted you. I wanted to ask that question to you. <laughs> what, what is the state? Um, well, I've, I mean, I only saw Freetown and Cokeville Miracle, um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've only been going to the LDS Film Festival. Well, I guess I've been going off and on since 2007, maybe. Um, uh-huh. when I was on the, the LDS film forum and panel, and then I, I've hosted a couple of those <clears throat> or moderated them. I moderated the one this year. So I've, uh-huh. um, I mean, I've, I think I've always at least gone to the opening night film, but I've seen some of the others. So, um, yeah, I mean, for a while there, I felt like y- you were the only one making Mormon feature-length Mormon films, um, and then, and then, uh, and then there was a little bit of a dearth, kind of a, a drought. Like I, not a lot of people were, were making um, feature-length Mormon films with, with maybe a comparable production quality to the ones that that were shown this year, like Freetown and the Cokeville Miracle. I mean, there were a few here and there, um, but this year was just kind of, I felt like a feast after a little bit of a famine. I don't know if you had, if you got that, had that feeling, that was kind of the feeling that I got just from attending off and on. So I, I was really happy to see that. And, and one of the things that I was really happy to see was that, um, that Freetown was there and Freetown is, it's not just a film made by Mormons, but it actually has, I mean, it's about Mormon missionaries. And so it's a very thoroughly Mormon film. And the Cokeville Miracle was about Mormons, but they didn't want to be overt about it, I guess. And so um, so it, that one, I, I'm not quite sure in my head, I have these kind of categories of like Mormon films about Mormons by Mormons and then like films by Mormons that aren't necessarily about Mormons. And then I have, you know, another category, films about Mormons that aren't made by Mormons. And I'm not quite sure where to put the Cokeville Miracle because it's about Mormons, but but they took out uh, some of the references that would make it clear that the film was about Mormons. Anyway, that's a little bit yeah. of a tangent, but, but, but both of the films were, you know, definitely, um, 
about themes that that would be of interest to Mormons, and I I know that they're that they're trying to um, you know catch the interest of the Mormon market. So they are they are marketed at, towards Mormons. I think Cokeville Miracle is probably hoping to make it in the Christian market as well. I'm I'm assuming that Garrett Batty would like Freetown to make it in a larger market, but we'll see, right? Well, those are the two that had uh, success in recent years with uh, specifically Mormon films, you know, even at the box office. Right, so with Saratov Approach and 17 Miracles, they actually, they turned profits at the box office, right? Yeah, and even Ephraim's rescue was, I think, doing okay. So those are the only ones I can think of that actually... Turned a profit at the box office. Yeah, I could actually make and... Um, make a film and so one of the things that I uh, said this year at the festival is like one of the signs of growth and health and progress is that we have returning filmmakers you know people that have made the third or fourth film yeah um, that's something that shows that they have somehow found a way to keep making films and and so that's kind of a growing number of, of directors filmmakers and that that shows that there's found ways to do that and if you specifically make a mormon film there's not been a way yet to then find other markets for that film so you are kind of um suddenly make a film exclusively for a very limited audience Mm -hmm. which makes it very difficult um to make your money back because our community is just small you know in the community that can be targeted um, to buy your DVD or go to a theater is even smaller, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so it's already. Suddenly, I mean, Mormonism is already a small segment of, you know, American society. If if we're talking specifically about films released in the U.S., I know some of them have been released elsewhere, which yeah. which is great. But then if you look at the people who are, you know, within Mormonism, you know who actually are going to go to the theater to see a film, then it's going to be even smaller. So it's it's hard to sustain filmmaking, which is a very expensive medium. And that's part of the growth of the last few years. People have tried to figure out how to still make films that they feel passionately about, but, but you know, be able to have a, you know, more... Um, a bigger market to to target so they can actually make their money back so they can actually make another film and so that's where i saw a lot of growth in the last few years and it was not that visible uh, maybe to the outside but it was, there was still a lot going on and this year we for the first time saw that kind of wide spectrum and you know even that film that's coming out just let go i think will shy away from making him an explicit lds character and then growth that also was a beehive has a uh, an obvious theme to it. So I I don't know. Well, I think all these new efforts will show what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you I guess if you make a strictly LDS film, there's a lot of stories that can't be told because they don't hit the mainstream as strong as as maybe some other films, you know. So that's one of the the restrictions that that you have. So even if you decide to make a film, um, 
you can sustain a model where you tell stories that might be very important to a few people in our community. And so those limitations can only be leveraged if you have some sort of a system that wants these stories to be told regardless of the financial outcome. And we don't have that right now. So financial outcome is still the predictor of what film is good or works or doesn't work. Yeah, and whether or not the that filmmaker is going to be able to make another one, right? Yeah, and that's the that's the biggest thing with films. You know, they just quickly cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, and so unless there's someone that says we got to tell these story because they're culturally relevant, Mormons, you know, there's they that's something that regardless of how many people see it, it's an important document or important thing story to tell um yeah things will develop the way they do you know people will look and see how they can make a living um and so that kind of uh, will show you more stories that are targeted to a larger audience and even if it's just including christians and trying to disguise the mormon death because in that market um if it's Mormon, it's it's immediately, um, well, you can't touch it, you know. So there is, because I've even, you know, even some of my films, like The Letter Writer, did really well. But people that find out that, that I'm Mormon, you know, it's just then they they think it's like some sort of indoctrination program, or they have to really stay away from it. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. So. It will be interesting to see how Freetown, which is a Mormon story, versus something like Cokeville Miracle, which is a Mormon story, but is not... Freetown, which is explicitly a Mormon story, and then Cokeville Miracle, which is about Mormons, but a lot of the explicitly Mormon elements are taken out of it to see how they do um, financially. Yeah, and part of that is that, I mean, that's also seen over the last few years, um, you know, people... Because the market is the way it is, the budgets are usually really small, even on those films that we mentioned. Uh-huh. And it's incredible what they actually can do for, for, for the little money that they have. But at the same time, if I look at it um, overall, yeah, I would hope that those budgets can go up because it will improve the quality. And so again, we have to find ways of doing that. Um, and that often means, you know, you have to enlarge your audience. You have to kind of try to tell more universal stories, which is interesting to see how people how people do that, you know, different ways. Right. The other thing that happened in our community is that we really have more and more entities in the state that make, produce films and look for um, uh, directors and, and creative people to make these films. So there's a lot more of that going on. Um, and some of that even through BYU TV, which over the last years did a lot of uh, its own original programming. So that created a lot of opportunities for people. Um, even the church through the I'm a Mormon campaign and some other things, Mormon messages, etc. Yeah, um, well, Meet the Mormons, the church financed a feature length. Yeah, that was an yeah, that was an in-house production. I mean, that was people that worked for the church made mm-hmm. that film. They didn't hire out, but Yes, same thing. Yeah, so they are. It, that's kind of interesting to see what they're gonna what what 
what are the lessons, lessons they take away from releasing that in theaters? Mm-hmm. And are they going to plan on doing another one? Or was that it? And what does it mean? Yeah, well, and the interesting thing about that was when I when I interviewed Blair True, who's the director of Meet the Mormons, um, he said that originally they were just, they weren't trying to uh, make a film that would be... The, the impression I got from what he said was that they weren't trying to make a film that would be um, of appeal to the larger market necessarily. They were trying to make a film to replace, uh, what was that, what was at the Legacy Theater. And now Meet the Mormons is at the Legacy Theater on Temple Square. But that, to me, that that gives me the idea that that the audience originally was Mormons and maybe Friends or people who are going to be passing through Temple Square and not necessarily, you know, people in America who go see films on Saturday at theaters across, you know, um, the United States. So so that, that'll be interesting, um, yeah, to see if they... If they do make another film, how you know how are they going to market it? If they might, if they're going to market it a little bit differently, if it's going to have the same kind of function. Yeah, and probably if they look at it, I mean, they had about six million dollars box office, so that's probably over a million people saw it. But um, probably most Mormons that went to meet the Mormons, so that was one of the things that, yeah, we don't know how many, we should see how on Sunday the numbers went went down, you know, and on, mon- on Monday they went up. So there, those are kind of the indicators where you know a lot of members actually went to see the film in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the film that I also want to mention is Santa Broke the Heavens. Uh, it's a beautiful film we showed on Thursday night. Uh, by Tim Skousen. He's now this week at uh, South by Southwest with a documentary he did uh, with um, Jeremy Kuhn, who, who was a producer on Napoleon Dynamite. And they did this documentary about um, these kids that shot by shot redid uh, Indiana Jones' Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. And it uh, got a lot of hype already. Um, they, they basically filmed how those two guys that did this come together. They kind of separated at some point, and then they get together, and there's all this. And then they, they team up to shoot the final scene that they never did. And so uh, there's a lot of interest in that documentary. We have <clears throat> Brett Barber and Scott uh, Christofferson, or I think he had a film in the festival before. They have a documentary. Uh, also in South by Southwest uh, called Peace Officer. So we have, and those are two films that we hope to be able to show next year. And it's nice to see um, work from our community going going to these uh, big festival places. But so yeah, Thunder Broke the Heavens was a beautiful film. Um, And again, what we saw here is like... um, What's also growing with the festival is that we have several distributors that come and look for content and connections happen at the festival and uh, conversations happen. Um, Mm. Garrett was talking about 
him last year talking about Freetown and then Adam Abelhart is the first time got really interested and so they teamed up to to work on that film together. So so that's kind of nice to have the festival be this place where people have exposure but also meet other people and network and all that. And we have a lot of young filmmakers that had their first festival experience at the festival and and you see the quality of their work and you know that um, there's a lot of good stuff coming down um, the pipeline, I guess. I don't know. So there were some really beautiful short films in the program also this year. Those are maybe the films that are not as visible, but we're just as excited about those. And we have this awesome new competition called the Family Films Competition, mm -hmm. the homemade family films. Mm -hmm. And we have to see a little growth there. We hope that that competition will grow in the future even more. And it's really nice to see kind of encouraging families to just make a movie together and have fun doing it. And we showed all these different kind of um, ways people tell stories, and it's fascinating. And I actually would have to say that the winning film of that competition was probably my favorite short film this year. It's just a sweet five-minute film um, called uh, The Girl Who Wanted to Do Something Big. Yeah, well, we're encouraged. So hopefully next year it's going to even be bigger and growing, and maybe in a few years to come we have like hundreds of families making a little film. And because um, that film, the girl wanted to do something big, um, it's actually made by a filmmaker, um, but did it with his family over the Christmas break because we had that competition, and it's just beautiful how all the different family members got involved to, uh -huh. to create that piece and it just turned out beautiful. That's really neat. What about the short film competition? Any that stick out to you? Yeah, there's, uh, it's, every year I'm like looking at it like it's getting harder and harder to win that competition. Yeah, so those are some of my favorites. I, th I think you get a little bit more because they're shorter. They don't necessarily, yeah. they don't cost a lot to make you get more kind of experimenting going on and um yeah there's films i mean there's films that get honorable mention where i think they could have won uh -huh. it's just i mean even we had a short film a documentary called white earth that was nominated for an academy award this year for short documentary oh subject. wow and it, it got honorable mention um our festival just a lot of good films coming through that's what i mean i mean these are all filmmakers uh, still in school or uh, barely finished school, and they they see the community and see that everyone uh, is you know brave enough to tackle a feature film, and they they will do it too. It's just um, that's kind of the nice thing when you bring a community together because people see, oh, if you can do it, I can do it too. It mm -hmm. just gives you a lot of courage and and. And there's also these resources where you can ask, well, how did you solve this? How did you do this? How did you raise money? How, you know, all these yeah, questions. Yeah, and that's that's why the presentations are so great and, and really fascinating. I went to I went to Jerusha Hess's presentation, and I mean, she didn't even, it, it said it was a presentation, but really she just stood there, and, and a lot of other filmmakers asked her questions, you know, how did you do this, and how did you get a distributor, and... Um, you know, how did you get into Sundance with Napoleon Dynamite and what were your expectations and how did you fund this? And 
she just stood there fielding questions and I, and um, same with the Orson Scott card, Peter Johnson, Aaron Johnston presentation. Um, just a yeah. lot of a lot of people just were pestering them with questions to get yeah. to get ideas about um, how to how to work on their own films. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and that's what I appreciate here. Uh, that's why it's fun doing it. Um, because I see that every year the people just come out and, and no one's holding back and everyone's sharing and and it's just a re really good atmosphere for learning from each other and yeah people just being open with 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 what they've learned their experiences etc. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, generosity with information. I think so. That's so what are, we, what are we going to do next, Catherine? What's coming next? <laughs> what are you going to do next for the festival? Yeah, what what the community? I mean, what's what's the next big step? The next big next? step for what for do you want to happen? What do you what kind of films do you want to see at the at the 2020 LDS Film Festival? <laughs> you know. That's a great question. I mean, in my head, I have very grand visions for the Mormon arts. So in 2020, I would like to see it not just a, an LDS film festival, but an LDS uh, film and arts festival. So the film festival could be a few days and then you could have um, uh, other arts like uh, musicians and visual artists showing their work. Mm -hmm. um so yeah something something like that 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 you have that community that you have at the lds film festival but for for all of the art um so you can get that kind of collaboration and energy and mentorship yeah and are you gonna are you gonna do it <laughs> yes i don't know i'm Right now, I'm uh, investigating the demise of the the Mormon Arts Festival, which I went on for years. It's my understanding. I'm I'm not quite sure why or how it ended, but I'm curious about that. I, I want to interview some people about that because um, yeah. there used to be a Mormon Arts Festival, and and there isn't anymore. So, um, cool. I mean, that's cool. But I remember I remember you saying that when you started the LDS Film Festival, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, that originally your idea was wasn't it to do all the arts but then you found that just doing film was more than enough work for you well it's, it's just how the reality plays out you know I mean it's kind of a decision to dedicate all of my time just to the festival or to that kind of thing um, mm -hmm. right now the festival comes around once a year and even with the festival we could do a lot more fun things you know or we could uh, do more educational stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, more production stuff, and, and really, um, there's a lot of ideas that would be great to do, but then you really have to make it a, a year-round operation, right? Which, uh, which, it's just, it's just, um, you know, I'm, I'm just working on, on my own project, etc. So mm -hmm. it's kind of still, it's still been just the objective to to keep the festival alive even yeah. even when there was little time at hand to kind of mm -hmm. make sure that it happens and that 
Um, so that's kind of nice that we're now in, in the 14th year. I'm sure there were years where we're like, wow, how are we going to get this done this year? Yeah. But, well, and Christian, I was just thinking about that over the last few days. You know, kudos to you because that's really hard. I mean, I've been doing this podcast since October, and I've been doing, I've interviewed a, a Mormon artist uh, every two weeks since since I started in October, and it's hard to maintain a project like that. And so many other, um, you know, so many other Mormon arts organizations have <laughs> kind of uh, gone by the wayside over time, or you know, haven't haven't had continual strong leadership, and and so they've built up they built up a community, and then that community kind of sagged, or even had to kind of disperse elsewhere because because there wasn't that consistency. And so just just maintaining that and having it every year is really impressive. Um, and I think, I think like this year I was, I was thinking, you know, years like this are the, are the fruit of that labor, you know, that some years maybe you didn't have as much time and we're just kind of maintaining. And some years maybe there weren't as many impressive films, opening night films or, or um, feature length films. You know, but the fact that you had it consistently every year um, has like kind of allowed for that natural ebbing and flowing, which I think over time will will become definitely more of a a flowing than an ebbing. So. Yeah, and that's a, I mean, it's like the festival when it started it was more like walking along the sidelines of things that happened, anyways. You know, um, but then. But then, like you said, there was like a little, people felt like there was nothing happening and the festival came around and there were like over a dozen feature films in the program and people were like, oh, there is something happening. So, yeah. so we kind of took more of a center stage to say, look, look this is still, it's still happening uh, where there were a lot of naysayers and a lot of negative thoughts out there. Mm-hmm. And so now it's again more visible that, that, that there is, um, things happening, you know, that are huge that we haven't seen before. And the festival becomes more of a, a place where, um, you know, where we hope that filmmakers want to premiere their films in because they get better visibility and mm-hmm. create that kind of thing. So we're, I think we're getting into a position where we can, where we can be a, a good resource and an asset for the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing I want to see in 2020 is I want to see a lot of um, Mormon stories told where um, where they are very Mormon stories and, and that there are not alternate scenes shot that replace a bishop with a pastor or places, you know, or, or even scenes that are kind of have like, I don't know, a Mormon uh, hymn or sacred meeting that are just taken out um, or, you know, more Mormon prayer language that's kind of excised and replaced with, with more of a general Christian prayer language. I understand why those um, choices are being made by filmmakers because it's really hard, you know, to make to make money on Mormon films, and I have a lot of compassion for that. But I would like, if 2020, my, 2020, my ideal is to is to see 
Mormon stories told, you know, as authentically Mormon as as possible. Um, but again, I mean, if you want to do that, again, why? You know, because it's not a, it's not just on the financial level. It's, it's even on a artistic level. It's not that rewarding, you know, because I give you an example. When I did the film Silent Night, that deals with the Catholic priest, you know, the LDS audience can be a lot more relaxed and open and enjoy that film, you know, for all what it is. If I make a story about the same story, basically, where the same story, and it would not be a Catholic priest but a Mormon bishop, then people can't just relax and watch it because it's just hard. I don't know what it is hard. It's hard to look in the mirror or feel like you're an expert on a topic. Feel when you make films about Mormons, you make films for an expert audience, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's always these little things that throw them off that a normal audience just doesn't see, you know. Like a film like Gravity, which is a fun, fun roller coaster ride, you know, an excellent film. But I guess if you, if you, an expert in astronomy or whatever, you say, well, this couldn't happen, and this didn't happen like this, and, you know, kind of. Then you can't even enjoy the experience because you look at it through your missionary glasses or expert glasses. And so uh, oh, that's as, a filmmaker, yeah. as a filmmaker, it's hard to then know, well, what's the quality of my film? Because all the criticism I get has nothing to do with the film, mm-hmm. maybe, itself. It doesn't have to do with the craft or the artistry. It just has to do with someone's preconceived notions that I now I kind of violate or, you know, contradict or something. So I don't know what the reward of that is um, in the so, long run. Uh-huh. So so I was thinking I want to see films that when a film is made on a Mormon topic, that that it's not pretending to not be about Mormons so that it's appealing to a larger market. But what you're saying, because I'm thinking of, of, you know, how it might be accepted in the national market and critiqued in the national market but what you're saying is that even if you make a film uh, a very Mormon film about very Mormon topics that in the Mormon market it's criticized that's what you're saying well well, I'm saying I'm saying there's certain like I said my Joseph Smith film you know people got caught up in in how tall the actor is you know (laughs) how manly manly (laughs) his voice is you know and so that's an immediate um you know, kind of a red flag for some people. No, oh, he was a lot taller, or he was like this, you know. No one would say that about my priest in Silent Night, you know, because they don't yeah. know anything about him. And so so there are certain things where an ex- expert, so to speak, audience comes in and makes judgment calls based on their, um, based on what they think is proper and right and whatnot. But it okay. has little to do with the film filmmaking. I see. If we had a forum where filmmakers can just create, we probably would see more stories of of real people struggling with real things within our community. So, so are you saying a some kind of but, model? But, 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 yeah, but right now, no one wants to. No one wants to see them. Or where do you buy it? Where do you sell them? You know. Uh huh. So they would have to be they would have to be funded 
by some sort of entity that was not um, uh, primarily yeah. concerned about, uh, yeah. well, not primarily, but where a primary concern would be um, how it did at the box office. Yeah, and I think, I think, but that only happens when you really look at films as an expression of more than just entertainment. And you really see these, these are kind of like, um, there's an importance like label it art or whatever, but you let people do those, express themselves because you think this is important for your community, for your culture, for your, for, for the, the health of your culture, you know? Mm-hmm. So a Mormon film fund, which is something that you and I have talked about before. <laughs> yes, it's called the Perpetual Entertainment Fund. <laughs> I think President Hinckley was talking about it. <laughs> oh, no, that was the education fund. So. Maybe you can get on the, the tithing slips. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we have a lot of savvy people that... Uh, do their thing, but I think we're also losing some that could really, like you say, you know, the films that you want to see in 2020, you know, they could happen a lot more easily if there, if there were room for that, you know. Mm-hmm. Most most people just at some point have to find a job so they can uh, take care of their families, you know, mm-hmm. and there's just not there's just not that room. Yeah. So. And so I would say there's a lot of talent being lost that now may maybe commercials for McDonald's or some other uh, important companies out there. So. so okay. So what do you want to see in 2020? Um, I don't know how to measure it. I want to see. Uh, just more mature filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see a diversity. I want uh, filmmakers to have more resources, like um, to not have to, um, you know, try to make quality with, with, with very little money. But yeah, mostly I'm, I'm looking just for some growth in, in, in the stories that are being told. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be wonderful to see. Um, I think what I want to see at some point is that we just have films coming out of our community that that can um, that can play in national theaters, theaters and can um, play at the best festivals, at the best compete at the best award shows, you know. And right now, I see Utah really more and more developing its own kind of film. Uh, industry not just for outside Hollywood films but but for our homegrown uh, community mm-hmm. so you know if in some ways I don't know how you do it I mean I feel like you know like this year was a year where you want to say how wonderful it is and you want to praise the films and, and the filmmakers but in the end we're still also um, kind of at the beginning so yeah so it's like of course yeah if you have a five-year-old son or daughter, you know, you want to praise their drawing and you know it's a lot better than, uh, or they have more skill than they had like years previously, but you still know if they really want to become, um, an artist or want to do that, you know, then 
there's still a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think it's also important to just, just enjoy what they're doing, you know. Yeah. And and and. Well, and to yeah. to let them to let them fail, right? Yeah. Or yeah. you know, or or enjoy yeah. mixed mixed successes. You know, maybe maybe this film is going to have a little more of a mature. Um, story but maybe the production quality isn't going to be as amazing or maybe this film has you know great production quality but the story isn't maybe as mature as it could be and just to let that happen instead of kind of being so quick <laughs> to to condemn I think yeah it's kind of a mixture right of, of giving uh, giving good constructive feedback and and still being encouraging and positive mm-hmm I mean, in some ways, that's 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 um, that responsibility is a little bit on your shoulders too, because we need a, a good, good functioning uh, feedback community or criticism, you know, mm-hmm. for films. And I don't, I don't think we have. I don't think I see the right tone oftentimes, you know. Yeah. Um. And so there, there should be some more voices that 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 kind of uh, chip in in that regard mm-hmm. yeah anyway well I don't have any more questions for you do you have any more questions for me you already asked your last question or you have one more question you're going to ask about my childhood right oh uh, yeah we didn't didn't get there <laughs> we didn't get there you didn't do a lead in for that one <laughs> yeah. well you said it was difficult Oh, my childhood? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't everyone's? It's difficult. Just like the childhood of Mormon, the Mormon arts is difficult. Yeah, it's, it's also beautiful mm-hmm. and innocent and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And all that kind of so, thing. Yeah. So it's exciting. Let's see what we got next year. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. coming out again. And we'll, we'll look at the, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of the nice thing. Just look and see what's happening, and then being impressed by by certain films. And I, I feel like everyone has their own favorites, and so that's kind of nice to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be really neat to see where all these films go and get back together next year and see where we are. Yeah. Well, Christian, thank you so much for taking the time to um, do this little retrospective. Well, thanks for having me. That was so wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net.